The information presented in this podcast is of a general nature and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. It should never be used as a substitute for mental care, medical care, or for prevention, diagnosis, or treatment of any other illness. Always consult with a mental health or healthcare professional before engaging in any activities promoted in this podcast. Have you ever wanted to be a superhero? Join clinical psychologist Dr. Janina Scarlett and host Dustin McGinnis as they explore the psychology behind your favorite TV shows, movies, books, comics, video games, and more. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Superhero Therapy with Dr. Janina Scarlett. I am your host, Dustin McGinnis. I am a musician, filmmaker, and all-around fanboy. And I'm Dr. Janina Scarlett. I'm a clinical psychologist, author, and a full-time geek. We are continuing our special podcast series aimed at supporting our listeners through the coronavirus pandemic. Today, we will be discussing the power of entertainment during this time. Our special guest today is best known for the animated series Gargoyles, The Spectacular Spider-Man, and Young Justice. We're so honored to have the amazing Greg Wiseman on Superhero Therapy today. Greg, thank you so much for being on our show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Can you please tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Sure. I grew up in Los Angeles, started working in comic books when I was 19. Went to work for DC Comics on staff after I graduated college and was there for a couple of years. And then I moved back to California. DC at the time was in New York. It's it's in LA now, but back then it was in New York. And I moved back to Los Angeles and eventually got a job at Walt Disney TV Animation, where I was a development executive for about five years. While I was there as a development executive, I created and developed a television series called Gargoyles. And so I moved over to become a producer for that show. And since then, I've written and story edited and produced a number of series, including the ones you mentioned, uh, Spectacular Spider-Man and Young Justice. I was also one of the executive producers on the first season of Star Wars Rebels. And I've written for many other television series. And I even uh, voice direct and voice act on rare occasions. There's one producer who often hires me to voice act. His name's Greg Weissman. He must think of it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you do have this spectacular voice. This is interesting to me because you're in the entertainment industry and it appears that the entertainment industry and productions have kind of halted due to this pandemic. And are you still working on a show? I am. Uh, you know, it's hard to keep live action going because you got to shoot with actors. <laughs> right, right. But in animation, we're still working on uh, the fourth season of Young Justice. The only thing that we have put off, hopefully not forever, but for the time being, is voice recordings. This stage, for obvious reasons, going to bring a bunch of actors into a voice booth. So we're actually recording from our home scratch tracks, not with real actors, but with people who are on the crew for the show so that our storyboard artists have something to work with when they're boarding the show. But hopefully we'll replace those voices with our actual actors before those shows ship for animation. And worst case scenario, well, a worst case scenario, I guess you should say, (laughs) since everything's so vague and unsure right now, Mm -hmm. that if we have to animate to those voices, we will. And then we'll do a process called ADR, 
and have the actors come in and do the voices to the animation. That's not the way we usually work. If you're dubbing, for example, foreign animation, whether it's Japanese or whatever, that happens all the time. Anime, or whether it's Korean or Japanese, they bring the animation over here and, and an English actor will dub the voices to the animation. But in American animation, that's not how it works. We do the voices first. Basically, right after the scripts, we do the voices before any of the artists start. That's very interesting that you guys record the voices before everything is animated. I think that's wonderful. I, I, I never even realized that. <laughs> I thought that they talked to the animation, but that, that that's an interesting perspective for me to take in right now. So this question is for both of you. How important is entertainment at a time like this? And we'll go ahead and start with you, Greg. There are two different levels for me to answer that question. One is as a professional and one is as a viewer. I've been a viewer for much longer than I've been a professional. Right now, it's pretty essential. My kids normally live in New York and Washington, D.C. They're adults with adult lives. But one thing that we do since they graduated high school, we always watch TV together. So starting when they were in college, watching TV together, except on rare holidays was impossible. So what we'd do is we'd pick a show and we wouldn't watch it together, but we'd each watch an episode and instead of binging on to the next episode, we'd always talk to each other about it, even if it was just for a few minutes before we'd move on to the next one. It slows down the whole process because instead of binging three or four hours at a time, you know, by the time you can get together to talk, it may be two or three days have passed. But right now we all have more free time. And so my son was self-quarantined in New York for a few weeks in a tiny little apartment by himself and was just completely going stir crazy. So he came home, but my daughter's still in DC and she had never seen Doctor Who. So we just finished the first season of well, not the original way back first season, but first season. Probably Christ the ninth season. <laughs> right. Or the ninth doctor, I should say. Ninth doctor, yeah. Christopher Eccleston. And, and we're, we just started the David Tennant season, the first David Tennant season. And she'd never seen it before. I've seen it once on my own and once with my son years ago. But I'm really enjoying watching it. And But what's really great is that it's a way for us to connect. Not like we don't talk otherwise, we do, but it's just something that, isn't stressful, we can talk about Queen Victoria and werewolves for, <laughs> which we did yesterday, whether or not Queen Victoria is a werewolf. She's a werewolf. It's a fact. Okay. <laughs> um, and so that, you know, was just fun. And I think in particular in this bizarre medieval time we're living in, this strange combination of medieval and modern, this is really an essential lifeline for us. As a pro, obviously this is my livelihood. I'm glad I'm working on a project that can go on, that isn't derailed by this, at least not yet. And we're making progress. You know, the, the transition from working in an office to working at home was complicated and confusing. I'm not a high-tech guy. This is my I think the second time I've ever been on Skype right now with you guys. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we've had some technical issues and my partner, Brandon, at his house definitely has internet 
connectivity problems constantly. It's so hard now because everybody's at home taking up all the bandwidth. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, I have it occasionally. He has it all the time. And it slows things down. So we're behind schedule, but we're not as far behind schedule as as you think we would be. We're probably about a week and a half behind schedule, which all things considered isn't too bad. Now, again, on voice recordings, we're a little further behind, but um, we'll, we hope to catch up on that. You're right, Greg. I think that right now it's more important than ever. When people are going through a hard time, they're looking to either their role models or their heroes to teach them how to get through a difficult time. For all of us who are alive right now, none of us have ever lived through a full-blown pandemic like this ever. And so we turn to stories. We turn to television shows, for example, like Doctor Who. And by the way, I love the Queen Victoria episode. That's mm -hmm. one of my favorites. And we turn to things like Young Justice. And we turn to shows like Gargoyles. We turn to shows that show us how to stand up against a big threat that endangers many, many people and how we as humans can band together to face this threat. I think ultimately... When a big, scary event like this occurs, many people feel really alone. They feel frightened and they feel hopeless and helpless. And when we see people on the screen, when we see a fictional character on the screen who also feels a similar way, we might recognize that we're not alone in our experience. And when we see that these kind of characters are joining together to face this threat, and even though they're scared, they're able to stand together and defeat this threat that can give us a sense of hope, that sense of hope that we really need right now. And I think that for the most part, most humans are doing exactly what they're supposed to be right now. I mentioned this in the previous episode that we did. There's 7 billion of us in this world. We all have a role to play, whether it's for people who are doctors or grocers or pharmacists to show up and look after either their patients or the produce to make sure that people have their basic needs for survival or for people who are practicing physical distancing and staying home and supporting one another and producing the kind of content like television shows, for example, that can be inspiring and hopeful, we all have this role to play. And now perhaps it is more important than ever since I think any of us have been alive. Definitely. I have to give full vulnerability and full disclosure here, Greg. As I said at the beginning, I'm, I'm a fanboy. I love pop culture and I loved Gargoyles. When I grew up, I, I thought it was the most fantastic thing because, I mean, there were so many facets to it that really drew me to it. It was like I grew up with G.I. Joe and things like that where people were jumping out of planes before they blew up and things like that. But Gargoyles was like reality. It was something that really struck a chord with so many people because it dealt with so many deep issues. And I honestly have a feeling this is going to be a very long lead-in to my question, but please bear with me. These times are very dark right now, and the subject matter of our daily life has become dangerous and very serious. Children are being asked to mature and contemplate scary and complex situations. 
when I think of gargoyles, I think of a cartoon that was extremely progressive and thoughtful in all the deep topics it explored. Kids who watched the show were immersed in mature narratives with very heavy subject matter. They had to contemplate race, death, morality, and even gun control. In fact, it's the only cartoon I recall that actually had people die in it. I mean, I, I recall seeing that one episode where Demona was just blasting people with that ray and things were happening. People were dying. <laughs> it just blew my mind when I was growing up watching this. So these ideas were presented in a way that was a reminder that kids can handle it. The audience could handle it. We could handle it. Today we're faced with a bleak reality that although it is dark, we can handle it. So Greg, can you please talk a little bit about the gargoyles and what this show can teach us about how we can face this situation and maintain our morale? Well, I'm happy to talk about gargoyles for hours on end. You know, what we tried to do on gargoyles and one of the reasons that we were able to, in essence, get away with showing that on an afternoon cartoon was because we always dealt with consequences. Any action had a consequence to it. So we had what we called uh, standards and practices executive, but she worked at Disney with us. It was We weren't a network show, we were a syndicated show. So Disney in essence had to police itself there. And 80% of that I would say was me deciding what I thought was okay to show and not okay to show. You mentioned the scene from an episode called City of Stone, where Demona has turned almost everyone in Manhattan to into stone statues, and right. she is blasting at them. And one of the great ironies to me about that scene is that they wouldn't, generally speaking, let us blast those characters to smithereens, to dust. So, you know, we could blast an arm or a leg. Or and, and I actually remember that. I remember a lady... And her arms getting blown off or something. Yeah, she's carrying <laughs> shopping bags, and she and Demona blasts the bags, but the hands go with it. it. She looks like a 1990s Venus de Milo, something like that. Yeah. And it was, to me, it was bizarre because the idea, of course, is that every morning they all turn back to flesh and blood. And I always thought this is way more horrific. You know, what you're not allowing us to do is to blast them to atoms, but you're allowing us to maim these people. And when it's they come back to life. This is going to be horrible. Mm -hmm. We just enjoy it. Uh, that's actually an exception because that was sort of forced on us. But when we were sort of had our way, we always dealt with the consequences of these actions from the biggest to the smallest. We had a character named Vinny who was this character who bad things kept happening to relative to the gargoyles. And so he sought out his revenge, but his revenge was to hit Goliath in the face with a banana cream pie. <laughs> yeah. uh, the point we were really making with that episode is the fact that Goliath had sort of gone through fighting villains and hadn't noticed that in the process of fighting these villains, this poor schlub kept getting his motorcycle destroyed or getting fired from a job because he was a security guard and a scientist was kidnapped by Goliath. It was an evil scientist, but that guy worked at a company and he was supposed to guard that scientist. So he got fired from his job. We were trying to show that even little things that in most shows you think of as insignificant, no one thinks about the security guard that didn't see 
the scientists get kidnapped, we paid attention to stuff like that, or at least tried to. Yeah. The things that you guys delved into just spoke to me so much as a kid. I, I, I remember, I want to say it was Brooklyn that shot Detective Mazza. And he shot her, right? And he and after Broadway, that... It was Broadway, not Brooklyn, but yes. Oh, Broadway, Broadway, yes. I'm so sorry. It was Broadway that shot her. And man, that really spoke to me. And it was all about gun control and things like that. And it, you didn't even really about, think about it. It actually wasn't about gun control. It was about gun safety. Yes, like a kid picking up a gun and not understanding it, right? That was exactly it. Elisa Mazza was a New York police detective. She had every reason and every right, of course, to have a gun. And she lived alone with a cat. And the cat wasn't one to play with guns, I guess. Um, so when she got home at night, she would take off her shoulder holster and just hang it on a coat rack because she lived alone and she didn't think about it. And then one day Broadway shows up and he's just seen this Western and he sees the gun and he starts playing with it. And it goes off and she's in the kitchen cooking and he winds up accidentally shooting her in the back. Again, this was all about consequences, consequences to him, how he felt about what he had done, his guilt, his fear. He got her to a hospital and then flew away because, you know, he's a gargoyle. And she went through surgery and then she was laid up. It took months for her to come back to work. And when she did come back to work, she'd been working solo. And even though the shooting had nothing to do with her job, her boss was no longer willing to let her work solo, forced her to have a partner, which made life difficult because, of course, she was the secret ally of the gargoyles. Right. We wanted to always show that actions had consequences. Man, this is touching me because I, I want to tell you why it hit me so hard is my mom had two marriages and my older brother, his father was a cop and he left his gun lying around and my brother stumbled upon the gun and shot himself in the head and he's been disabled ever since. That really spoke to me because it was like that and I remember that after he shot her, he wouldn't go near a gun anymore. He was so traumatized from that moment that he wouldn't go near a gun anymore, right? That's right. In fact, anytime he saw a gun, he would destroy it. I mean, you know, he's a gargoyle again, so he's very strong, and he was constantly destroying guns right and left. Yeah. Um, is a, I think we felt not necessarily the most mature reaction, but certainly an understandable reaction. There was a book written called Viewing Violence, written by a woman named Madeline Levine, and that went through a lot of television shows and was really incredibly critical of most of television and the effect it could have, particularly on children. But we got praised specifically for that episode because we showed consequences. And the irony, of course, is that episode has been censored over and over and over again. Even now on Disney+, Plus, it's there to watch on the streaming service but I'm told they've trimmed it to make it less something. I don't know. Yeah, I, I find that ridiculous because back then, the way that I took it, everything that was coming out of Gargoyles and everything, it was like, we can take it. It's okay. There were kids that were definitely younger than me at the time that were watching that show that could take it. And I think those kind of real moments are important. And... After hearing all that Greg and I were saying, Dr. Scarlett, would you be willing to share something 
on this topic as well. Yeah. Um, first of all, Dustin, thank you so much for sharing your story. I'm very proud of you. I know that's something you've been carrying for many years. And Greg, thank you so much for all the amazing work that you do on Gargoyles and Young Justice and all the amazing work that you put together. And I want to answer this question both on a personal perspective and a professional perspective. On a personal perspective, I was born and raised in Ukraine, and my family and I were exposed to a lot of prejudice and a lot of violence, and we were targeted, and it became so dangerous that we had to flee the country in secret, and we were able to come to United States as refugees, and I remember not knowing if we were going to make it out safely, if we were going to be hurt, if we were going to be arrested or killed for treason, or what was going to happen to us. And we arrived in JFK. I remember it was a Friday evening. We didn't have a home. We slept on our relatives' couches. And the next morning, on Saturday morning, my cousin woke me up and he said, are you ready? And I said, for what? And he said, Saturday morning cartoons, of course. And he put on gargoyles. And I didn't speak English then. But watching Gargoyles, I remember seeing Goliath on the screen and I remember seeing his really calm demeanor and I just remember feeling hope. Now, over time, as I started learning the language and as as I started learning what the TV show was about, it taught me a lot about my own story because seeing the gargoyles, seeing the way that many people had assumptions about them because of the way that they looked or where they had come from, taught me a lot about the way people often have misconceptions about people from other places or people who don't look like them or people who are somehow different. It taught me a lot about what prejudice is and what xenophobia is, but it also taught me about acceptance. It taught me about standing up for what's right, and it also showed me what it means when people can all come together to fight for a common cause, and then it doesn't matter where you're from and what you look like. And that was very important to me because that's what my family and I were fighting for, you know, our whole lives was equality. And On a professional level, I specialize in working with folks with PTSD, and for many of my patients, TV shows that talk about trauma and resilience are one of the most foundational techniques that a lot of my patients go to for support for healing. And both Young Justice and Gargoyles have been brought up to me on many occasions by many of my clients. And seeing the way that trauma is depicted in the series, seeing the way that different kinds of characters band together to stand up for what they believe in against the common enemy allows many people to know that they're not alone in their experience. And so seeing these kind of real messages about consequences and then also about hope are so incredibly important. And again, as a mental health professional, I am so incredibly grateful for being able to point to this content and actually have a great reference for my clients to check out so that they know that they're not alone in what they're going through. Boy, both of your guys' stories, I'm very gratified if anything I've ever done has been helpful in any way, shape, or form, but I'm blown away by how open you are with your stories, and I'll be open enough to say myself that I don't have 
anything that vaguely compares to that. So if I've somehow gotten it right in animation, it's a minor miracle because it's not coming from experience. I mean, I, I, I've been blessed, really, and I'm really you know knocked out by how open you guys are with stories, with your life. Well, what you have going, Greg, is real. These stories that you have, whether you see it or not, are super real. Yeah, they speak to people. You know, they speak to people from clearly all over the world with all kinds of backgrounds, with all kinds of stories. And, you know, for many different people, it's a different episode. It's a different character. But there's always something for someone in your creation. So it's absolutely lovely. And and we all need entertainment right now, however it comes. And it's interesting to me because one of the themes we keep returning to on this podcast series is the need to build connections and participate in group events with friends. And you happen to work on another show called Young Justice, and it revolves around a group of sidekicks and young adult superheroes who fight together as a team they're much like the justice league but younger (laughs) what are your thoughts on the importance of maintaining social connections while facing a common enemy like covid19 i think obviously it's incredibly important again i don't want to pretend to be some kind of expert at stuff i'm not an expert at i think certain things are obvious even if Sometimes the obvious escapes all of us in our fear and lack of organized thoughts and that kind of thing. And and obviously, social connections are incredibly important, especially when we're supposed to be social distancing or physical distancing. It's tough. Even when we can't be near the people that we care about, we keep in touch. And again, that's one of the things that makes this weird medieval plague that we're facing strangely tolerable for a lot of us is that we are so interconnected through this internet thing. Since this started, I've done Zoom, I've done FaceTime, I've done Teams, I've done Skype, plus, you know, phone calls and email and texts and everything at a level that I've never done it before. I'm not a techie kind of guy. It's a miracle I'm on this podcast. And yet we're all doing it and it's kind of great. Not great for a reason we want it to be. I mean, we'd all prefer that none of this was necessary. But with it being necessary, our abilities to maintain connection with our coworkers, with our family, with our friends. My wife did a Zoom the other day with all her cousins. They've never done that before. Yeah. You know, they could have. And I'm not saying she's not in touch with her cousins. I'm just saying they got all of them on a Zoom together. And they've never done it before. I just think it was that now everyone knows how to use Zoom. So why, you know, they're <laughs> so why not do it for something that's pleasurable? Uh, my grandmother, who passed away eight years ago at the age of almost 102, wow, um, today would have been her 110th birthday. Oh. So me and all my cousins and my aunts and uncles and my kids and some of my cousins' kids, we were all on this one text change, and my sister was putting together these videos that she recorded when my grandmother was in her 80s, younger than my dad is now, of my dad interviewing her about the early days in her life in New York. She was born in 1910, so you know, in the 20s and 30s, early days in Chicago, 
in the 30s and 40s. And my sister was sharing all these videos that she made 20, 30 years ago of my grandmother because this would have been her 110th birthday. And these videos have been there for nearly 30 years and no one's seen them. Wow. But this was an excuse to sort of send them out. So again, I'm no expert on this stuff. I make cartoons and I uh, try to maintain a level head about, uh, you know, my wife is a teacher, my daughter's a teacher. To me, that's important work. What I do can be fun. I think that it pays occasionally to state the obvious. And the obvious is, is that if there is a side benefit to what is basically a truly horrible situation that we are globally in, it's that this is teaching us a little bit about the kinds of connections that we can make. And God knows we all want it to be over, back to work, being able to not just wave at neighbors from across the street, but to actually go over and hug people you want to hug. I mean, I talk to my parents fairly often, but you know, I can't hug them because my folks are in their 80s and they're vulnerable. So they're holed up in their house and they get deliveries and whatever. Mine too. Yeah, so you know, we do what we can to bridge these gaps. I find it impressive, not just the technology side of it, but the way that we are using that technology to do more than just the pragmatic. And I'm not knocking the pragmatic, I'm just saying that we are using it to do more than that. And it's also why when you read a news report about someone who's sort of refusing to physical distance him or herself, or themselves for whatever reason, religious or whatever, it's extremely frustrating because if it was just about, this is a choice I'm making, I'm willing to take that risk, except their lack of social distance is putting all of us at risk. To me, again, a lay person with tremendous ignorance, I still find that tremendously frustrating because it's not necessary. You know, it's been demonstrated to me that we can all do this, we can all cooperate to make this horrible situation less horrible than it has to be. Yet there's still some people who, for various reasons, political, religious, pride, whatever, are refusing to get with the program as if it's some kind of assault on their freedoms as opposed to something that we're all doing so that we can all stay as healthy as possible. I didn't mean to get on a soapbox, but that's the one <laughs> aspect of it that I just find mind-boggling. You know, the fact that for the most part, as a nation and even as a globe, we are doing so much to try to mitigate this. The fact that there are people out there who refuse to makes me a little crazy, to be yeah. honest. What we're doing by having this physical distancing and everything is very heroic. And by staying home and participating in physical distancing, we're actually doing our part to help protect humanity just as though we are real life young justice superheroes or gargoyles or just heroes. Exactly. And I'm with you, Greg. I feel the same way. This is our our call. You know, for anyone who's ever wondered what they would do if they were in the kind of situation that they see like maybe a real life hero or a fictional hero go through. This is 
our opportunity. This is our call. And for most of us, this means being cautious in terms of not exposing other people and in terms of just practicing physical distancing and to make sure that we're saving lives and it's heartbreaking and frustrating when some people are refusing to do so you know in watching the young justice i see so many examples of tragedy where so many characters or so many characters might have lost somebody or there there might have been different kinds of deaths and losses but what's really amazing to me is throughout the series, when characters go through some kind of a loss, they actually come together and they support one another. And I think that that's what we're seeing now is that as much trauma and tragedy as there is in the world, we're also seeing more compassion and more acts of altruism and heroism than probably we've ever seen. I know I lived in New York during 9-11 and for the months following People were so kind and so patient. And I think New Yorkers are always kind, but, you know, they were just busy. And people slowed down and they would take their time and they would talk to each other and they would hug one another. I think majority of people all over the world are stepping up, you know, in not just practicing physical distancing, but also very much like the Young Justice heroes are doing their part where some people are making masks, for example, and some people are making TV shows and some people are writing encouraging posts and some people people are donating or some people are shopping for the elderly in their neighborhoods. And it seems to me, and if my observation is correct, that the majority of humankind right now is stepping up and showing up and putting on their capes or their tiaras and taking out their swords and shields and they're facing this thing. And it's been really, really inspiring and amazing. And I think it's true that, you know, there are always those kinds of people that maybe are not doing their part, but it seems to me like the majority are. And it's been just awe-inspiring for me to see how essentially TV shows like The Young Justice are coming to life right now with people becoming their own versions of a superhero in real life. Ginny and I both have realized that we have had this overabundance now of social connection we have never been this social really <laughs> outside of this situation so it's so important to have these connections what i want to ask is after everything we said is there anything else you would want to say to someone who might be struggling out there because we know there are i feel a little unequal to that but uh i'll give it a shot i mean one of the things we try tried to show on the show, certainly through the first three seasons of Young Justice uh, in Gargoyles and Spectacular Spider-Man is that, look, bad shit happens. It does. It happens all the time. Uh, I said earlier, I've lived a blessed life and that is absolutely true. But I've been fired from jobs and I've lost people I care about and it's hard. I think that trying to create these social connections with friends, with family, trying to connect with people who are fellow fans on the internet. This is all good and positive and keeps you engaged in the world. If you're stuck in your house, particularly if you're stuck there alone, your apartment or whatever, or just with one or two people and you're feeling disconnected, find a way to get connected. If that's listening to a podcast, that is great. If that's watching a cartoon, that is great. If that's watching Doctor Who, that is great. Whatever it takes 
to give you a feeling of connection and to know that you're not the only one feeling like an outsider. And I have mixed feelings about even that, honestly, because sometimes people will say to me when I'm down or whatever, oh, well, everybody feels that way. And I'm like, yeah, I know that intellectually, but I don't actually want to know that I'm not unique. Um, <laughs> emotionally, I want you to treat me as if I'm the only person who's ever had this problem. You're special. Right. And so I do think that it helps to know that there are other people out there and we do have ways of connecting up through our phones, through our computers, through our television sets, through a good old fashioned LP. Thank you so much for sharing that and just for talking about what some of the folks can do when they're at home. And I think that very much like the Young Justice, it's important for us not only to connect through our favorite fandom, like a television show or a podcast, but also through looking at who else out there is going through the same thing. As you're right, in terms of most of us are struggling in one way or another, whether it's from loneliness or boredom or fatigue or overwhelm. And I think sometimes even just finding somebody else's post on the internet who's maybe posting about their experience can allow us to see that we're not alone and engaging in conversations with other people to support them and receiving support from other people can actually build an online community. And so I think this is the time for us all to put on our capes and pick up our shields and get ready to step up. And sometimes that means showing up for other people through social media. Sometimes that means by encouraging each other. And sometimes that means by practicing social distancing. Most definitely. We're going to go ahead and end this episode of Superhero Therapy. I want to thank you so much Greg for coming on our show can you please tell our audience where they can find you possibly on social media or a website sure I'm on Twitter at Greg underscore Weissman Weissman's W-E-I-S-M-A-N I'll admit that I've been doing less Twitter these days than I used to for my mental health right? most definitely <laughs> I also have a website called AskGregWeissman.com at the moment we're not accepting questions at the website, even though it's called Ask Greg Weissman. But that's because I've got a huge backlog of questions that I am slowly, extremely slowly trying to get through. But the thing about Ask Greg Weissman is that that website is now 22, 23 years old, and all the questions that I've answered over those 23 years are archived. And the odds are, if you've got a question about Gargoyles or Witch or Spectacular Spider-Man or Star Wars Rebels or Young Justice that isn't a spoiler because I don't give spoilers then the odds are those questions have been answered already and the archives are all organized by topic so if you've got a question about those shows you could spend hours going through Ask Greg again AskGregWeissman.com once I catch up we'll open up the question asking function again and start taking more questions but I'll be honest that'll take me a while <laughs> it sounds like it. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Greg. We really appreciate it and keep doing the amazing work you're doing. Same thing. Janina, you know, what you do is so impressive to me and so much more important than what I do, frankly. But I have tremendous admiration for you. And, and Dustin, thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank well, you so thank much. Thank you. Thank you, Greg. And thank all of you who are listening right now. Stay safe and know that you are a superhero. <laughs>